Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They've been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. I'm really excited to welcome back Peter J. Wax. He hasn't been on the show for a while, and he's got a new book. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I am uh, doing well, enjoying the California sun. <laughs> Finally, we've had rain for the last two or three days. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's better than I mean, Colorado. Uh, you know, Colorado, the, it's snowstorms right now. So. We can't compare it to the rest of the country, but it has been raining. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, well, like I said, it's been, uh, you know, uh, inches deep snow out in Colorado, so luckily I'm dodging that. Yeah, yeah, that's a bullet to be dodged. I've been up there. Um, my brother was based in Colorado Springs, so um, at the Army base up there, and uh, mm-hmm. so I visited him, and um, it, 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 a lot of snow and ice. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I'm, I'm right off the plains on the very edge of Denver, so... Uh, it's really cool for the wildlife. We get, you know, like uh, owls and pronghorn deer and stuff like that. But the uh, the snow, when it comes in, it just comes in on a huge wind right off the plains. And the rest of the city might get two inches, and I'll get like ten. It's crazy. It's beautiful up there. Um, he took me to lots of places. One was, I think it's called the Garden of the Gods. It's like um, all mountains mm-hmm. and big rocks. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous. It's like... It yep. has, like, golden light up there. It's just beautiful. Yep, it is called the Garden of the Gods. It's on the north side of Colorado Springs, and it, it is absolutely beautiful. It is. But warm weather, yeah. beaches, not rain out here, yeah. out in California. You're in Burbank, right? That's a nice place. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Enjoying the weather. <laughs> um, I've in most of the, I lived in most of the valley. I've not I I've not lived in Burbank, but I worked in Burbank many times. <laughs> I worked at um I worked at a um plant. I was a travel agent and I worked at a plant that is um right not very far from downtown, like like a minute or two minutes from downtown. So I used to drive into uh, beautiful downtown Burbank <laughs> to the mall, and they have this really good Mexican restaurant there. Um, but I love Burbank; it's a great place. <laughs> yeah, I like walking. You know, when I'm when I'm thinking through stories or plot or <laughs> really just thinking about anything, um, I love to walk, and so. Uh, you know, when I'm fortunate enough to be visiting out here, I, I'll do 20, 30,000 steps in a day just walking around Burbank thinking. There's a really good restaurant that's in the mountains, and I can't – I actually went to weddings up there. We went, I used to go there all the time. But I can't think of the name. The age, it, it, it withers your mind. You can't remember everything. But it's right in the foothills, and it's like it has it has like a really pretty venue. I think one of my cousins got married up there, if I remember right. Um, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't been up there. I'm I'm curious. (laughs) And I'll tell you something. It has its own weather when you're up in the foothills or in the mountain. It's like it can be hot, like really hot, like 100 in in the valley. But you go up to the mountain, Mm -hmm. get hit by the wind, so you're, you're sweating because of the actual heat. But you're hit by the wind, and it's freezing cold. So the next day, everybody who went to the wedding got a incredible cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is all. And then I had a full week of work ahead of me. Um, <laughs> sick as a dog. Never forgave her for that no. one. <laughs> Well, that's uh, a real endorsement for figuring out weather control. Uh, <laughs> but that's, it's true, though. I mean, it, you, it, it could be the middle of summer, really hot, but if you get a certain wind from the cat, the mountains can have snow, even though it's summer. Uh, it, it depends on what has been going on with our weather here. And mm-hmm. if you get hit by the colder winds, it just, like, will knock you. It'll be like being hit by a wind machine. <laughs> wow. Yeah, microclimates. Yeah. I grew up in the valley, so I have these <laughs> lots of memories. <laughs> <laughs> I moved a lot um, so much that I don't really have a hometown, so I consider the San Fernando Valley my hometown. Okay. Weren't you? Um, yeah, you were living down in San Diego, I think, the first time we talked. I still am. I'm here. I'm in San still Diego. Okay. okay. Yeah, Southern California is just beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. How is. Um, okay, I know you're working on your. Uh, you finished a new book. Called I did, Colorado I did. Lightning. Uh, yes. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, it's co-authored with uh, a gentleman named Aton Collin, who uh, wrote the Unincorporated series with his brother, Donnie, um, the fantastic writers. Uh, it was a lot of fun to work on this with Aton. Uh, it, this, this takes place in um, colonial America, and uh, it is one of the books uh, in a series called Arcane America. And uh, so the other, the other books are uh, by um, Eric Flint, Walter Hunt wrote one, and uh, Kevin Anderson and Cyril Hoyt wrote uh, a Lisa Clark book. Uh, Eric wrote about Mark Common Wolf. Specifically, Ethan and I wrote uh, about Benjamin Franklin. And uh, it's kind of, uh, if you can imagine it, it's... There's high magic, and it's the colonies. And so uh, the Ben Franklin book is this secret history uh, about how high magic is, is kind of comes to be uh, and about the sundering of the world that separates the, science, the scientific world from the magical world. And you know, I don't want to give away too much of, uh, of, of what happens in it, but it's kind of the origin. It's the first story in, the, in, this, in this world. And uh, it was... It was a lot of fun because I got to write this really deep, really well-researched 
um, secret history about Ben Franklin and learn all these cool facts about him and really dive in um, to who he was and, and, and how he thought, uh, only to, you know, at, at the correct point in the book, it becomes a complete alternate history. But, uh, you know, trying to figure out that line, I don't know, secret history, it, it fascinates me, finding the little the little tiny crevices in actual history where, where stories can be told. It's just, it's a lot of fun. He's one of my favorite people from, and he's actually one of my favorite people from American history. Um, my favorite founding father. He's the most fascinating. He has the most varied and interesting life of all of them. I mean, that's a cool one to pick. I'm right there. I'm going to buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, we have I'm, a, no, go Peter, ahead. We have a caller. Hold on. Oh. Hi, caller. Um, please give us your name and where you're calling from. Hello? I guess the caller is shy. So I'll just put it back into listening mode. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no. No, no, no um, Anyway, uh, <laughs> that was weird. Um, no, I love Benjamin Franklin. I think he's just mm -hmm. really, because he, he did so much. He was a writer. He was an inventor. He had a very, very life. Um, uh, he... He, uh, for the first part of his life, he considered himself a failure, even though he kept trying. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, sexually, he was way out there. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. he was very interesting. I, I'd love to know what parts you plucked. Well, you know, I specifically wrote the book in 1752 to 1759, so there's a seven-year portion there that I really had to to drill down on and get to know him inside of that time period. Um, it was tempting to go to the, the, the later Ben Franklin, uh, but I, I, I had to avoid it and stick with who I thought he was in that time period. Eitan um, <laughs> and I had so many conversations uh, about him. It, it was, um, it's, you know, trying to figure out like fact checking this, fact checking that, but, Really, you know, we got that middle-aged Franklin who um, had, you know, sold off part of, of his publishing company already, was starting to be active with the state, was just sent over, you know, just, had just become a member of the Royal Society. The, the kite experiment had just happened uh, in 1752. Um, you know, he was going over and he was meeting his oldest friend in in one of his oldest friends and one of the people he corresponded with most, Peter Collinson, meeting him for the first time when he was going over there to argue uh, with Thomas Penn about, uh, Thomas Richard Penn about Pennsylvania and how the taxes was being used. Uh, you know, the, there was this whole thing in the late 1750s that the Pennsylvania State Assembly didn't, they wanted to use their taxes for, uh, for treaties, to, to sign treaties with, with surrounding territories rather than arming militia. But the Seven Years' War was happening, and it just, you know, you get this very 
you see who Franklin is going to become as a founding father, but he wasn't there yet. So, so I got to write this like almost pre-baked Benjamin Franklin that's almost, almost the one we're familiar with, but not quite there yet. That's cool. I think that's really fascinating. I actually think to find out about a person's background and that if nobody that nobody's really an overnight uh, success in whatever they do, and you find out who they were and what their failures mm-hmm. are, it gives you as a normal person, not a big genius, but a normal person, a lot of hope. You know. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's, you know, it, it, it was a doubly fascinating journey for me, you know, to share some of personally what's been going on in my life. For the last year and a half, I've been off the radar. Like, I haven't talked to any of my friends. I've just been really not present to the, the, the larger world. And part of that is that, um, you know, I met my father and then lost him. Um, and, but in that time, I found out that um, my family actually traces back to the founding of Pennsylvania. And um, most of most of my genetics come from like far, far east, like Siberia and like Latvia, stuff like way eastern bloc. But there's this one tiny little genetic thread that actually were amongst the first families in Pennsylvania. And um, and so so as I was finishing writing the book and then discovering this about my own genetic ties, uh, you know, doing. It was just it was an almost surreal experience to start seeing my family members' names pop up here and there in research and family that I never knew that I had until this last you know year year or two. Um, I think it's, it's been crazy. Really it's been cool. crazy. I think I think that's really cool. I think that you doing all that and and bringing that into a basically a fictional story, uh, you're taking all of that history. I love the mix of history and reality. I think it's really cool. It, yeah, it, it is an amazing genre to write. And I don't normally write a lot of historical fiction, so, you know, I spent a lot of time on this book because um, it's a whole different beast to try and write uh, something like this, and you know, luckily Aton was very patient with me, going crazy on the research train and all of that. And <laughs> it, it was definitely something else. So, where did you get inspired to do it? I mean, that's not like common that you just, oh, let's do something where Ben, ben <laughs> Franklin and magic. It just they don't kind of go together. Even though he was a very um, forward-thinking person, he it, you don't actually think Ben Franklin and magic. They just it doesn't pop in your head. Where did you get that well, inspiration? You know, you, you never know. I think Newton was an alchemist. He he believed that uh, he could crack the immortality nut. Um, well, that's true. Alchemy is magic in a way. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. I never um, really thought about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. The, the, so the way that this world started, uh, it, it was it was a few years back. It was like 2013, and Eric Swint and I were talking, and we decided that uh, he was going to help me up as a young author, and we were going to write a book together. We were going to create a world together. 
and we just kind of we went back and forth, and we finally settled on uh, pre-Civil War. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, pre-Revolutionary War um, uh, colonies, states. And you know, first I was thinking like. You know, what about like James Watt, the new Coleman engine, exploring the railroads, or well, no, let's go further back. And then we were like, well, what if we went back to the early 1700s? And we finally decided that Halley's Comet would be the inciting incident. Uh, so, so it had to be 1759. Uh, you know, the choice was made for us by um, <clears throat> by our choice of inciting incident. And uh, and then as, as the project grew and we were talking back and forth, um, I, was doing, I was doing research. And at the time, I was working for Kevin. And we brought Kevin into the project. And then I was talking with Aton because he, he actually teaches U.S. history. And so, uh, you know, I was doing some fact-checking, learning about the, the time period a little bit in conversations with him. And he and I started talking about Ben Franklin. And it kind of like – it, it just kind of played out that, that Eric wanted to bring um, his friend Walter in. And so they wrote about Montcalm and Wolf in the Battle of Quebec. And then uh, Kevin and Sarah decided that they were going to do a story. Um, and they chose, you know, Lewis and Clark Uncharted, uh, which skips forward a little bit, actually. And, uh, and Aton and I decided we were going to do Ben Franklin. And it just kind of happened that way. But, it, you know, it all started with Eric and I just saying, well, if we're going to write something, what are we going to write? <laughs> <laughs> and become up with this, this world, you know. Well, I think that's really uh, cool. So, I think that um, that that yeah. alchemy of all you all of you doing that. I mean, it's, it sort of reminds it me awesome. of the story of how Frankenstein came about. Was just uh, four talented young people sitting around, throwing ideas around, and challenging each other to write a novel. And Mary Shelley was the last one to do it. <laughs> yes, yes, we got the Polidori's Vampire out of that night as well, if I recall. Yeah. Like uh, Lord Riven. Yep. Yeah, it was, um, I think, uh, Byron Shelley, her husband. Well, and then her boyfriend, then yeah. later her husband, and um, I think, and her sister, I think, was the other person. Were the four people, and um, I don't, I don't even remember because I they told us when I saw the show, it was about, uh, it was actually set about her and and the book and what hell she went through because everybody else wrote their book and she was still struggling and she had a nightmare and that's how it came about. But they actually said which books came out for the other three, but I can't remember what they are. <laughs> oh, that's that's brilliant. Um, I, I'm making a note. I'm going to have to check that later. But yeah, uh, it, it, you know, it it wasn't quite like that. You know, it wasn't like one magical night. It's taken seven years almost to get this one done and out and on the shelf and, you know, through, through a publisher. So it's, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> overnight magic in a bottle for seven years. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not that easy to write. I mean, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that that, even though she finished it, the first draft, that wasn't the end of the work. I mean, I, cause I actually 
No, her husband oh. helped her with it, with brought, uh, helped change the monster a little and helped her with some of the syntax and stuff like that. So it wasn't like that was it. Um, nobody yeah. writes a book like that. <laughs> yeah, but this one, this is, this Color of Lightning book is crazy. They're, they're uh, you know, just to, to peek behind the curtain a little bit, um, it kept getting uh, rejected. It kept getting rejected uh, over and over again uh, until finally it wasn't. So it, it's been rewritten so many times that there's somewhere near a million words have been written on just this one book to get to those final 92,000. I think that's normal, though. <laughs> because I, when I write a book, I... I give it to my editor, and then I send it out to uh, people who do readings for me. And then I incorporate what their stuff is into it, and then I send it back to the editor. I mean, it's not like just me. It, that's uh, To be just by yourself, I mean, that's like super – I mean, could Isaac Asanoff, I think. He, even he had an editor, though, <laughs> even though he was oh, a Yes, <laughs> yes. and, and – I have the amazing Tony Daniels over at uh, at Bain, uh who helped polish and edit this book, and yeah, bringing it to its final form. He was just he focused me. He he got Aton and I to look through the right lens and just sculpt it. Yeah, that's what. And and I think that an editor, I wouldn't say several. I found a good editor, but it took forever. Um, there's some editors who think that their job is to treat you like – I'm trying to think of a nice word. The only word I can think of is crap. I don't know how nice a word that is, but crap. Um, and then there's some editors that are just go wishy-washy. And, but this editor I have is perfect. Um, they, they help – you know, they give me what I do wrong, but they do it in nice language, and they don't make me feel like I'm about one one inch from the floor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, the, the, the job of an editor is uh, to, to, in whatever way is best to achieve the result, to bring out the author's voice and let the story shine, help the author make good decisions when they're writing. So... Uh, you know, there are some people who don't know, unfortunately, how to do that without being um, red pen heavy. <laughs> and there are other people who who are just really good at focusing the writer and getting them into the right headspace to create something marvelous. But you know, it, it's also to be to be fair. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are writers who need. That, that editor who really is going to, you know, I, I always think of, um, what's his name, uh, the, the editor of the Daily Bugle from uh, Spider-Man, Jonah, uh, Jonas, um, you know, we're going to get that Spider-Man, we're going to wait, you know, and, and that, that, that I think of editors sometimes, the, the type that you're talking about like that, just like the cigar waving and just yelling and face going red, like, oh my God, I can't believe what you're turning into me, how could you do this, you know, the story's got to be this and that and that. But for some people that works. For some people it does. I'm not one of them. But I'm not one of them. I I actually shy away when people start treating me like that. I I I curl because I'm basically a shy person. 
I've come over that, but I'm I still have times and uh, different uh, things that I confront that the shyness comes out. And when somebody is confrontational like that, I go into a little cocoon and I back off um, because I Jade. it yep. it just triggers it. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson, that's the name of, of the editor. In oh, Spider-Man. from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it, it, yeah, it, 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 it does. You know, the, the editor that I've been with, um, he really, really, he just, you know, real, I think he realized how many times the book had been torn down. Um, and so when I'm sitting there looking at it and talking to Aton about like what the next evolution is going to be, he's really gentle. He's like, Hey, this is really good. This is really incredible. We have to cut it, unfortunately, but the work that you did here is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, that's fine. That's yeah. good. I like Thank that. You. That's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, the other one who's um, like who, who the other fictional editor who's kind of nasty is the one, but has a heart of gold. Is the one from the Daily Planet with Superman? Yeah. Yeah. He's he treats Lois Lane and and Clark Kent really, and especially Jimmy, really badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. I was just, um, when you were talking about Spider-Man, I was like, well, actually, the guy from Daily Planet was worse. Terry White. <laughs> Terry White. I have a... I have That's a, it. That's it. Uh, and underneath, he's, like, he's, he's all crutchety <laughs> on the outside, but he's really got a heart right. of gold on the inside and all that crap. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it, you know, it's... it's um, it's an interesting process to go through. It's, you can be really vulnerable. Like, even now, I'm nervous as heck about this book. Like, this is, I, you know, for how much I've withdrawn from, from the writing community and just public life and, and even my personal life and my friends and hadn't talked to anyone for a year, you know, just, just living in my own head, to be this nervous about something that you've crafted it's nerve wracking. <laughs> you know, it, oh, it, yeah. it's not done once the book is done. Uh, it's, it's now I've no, got the release you have and it's going to be a hard the next part, which is, uh, you know, you have promote. to work with the people who create it and then you have to do the advertising and then you have yep. to talk about yourself with somebody like me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, so yeah, I've got, you know, like, four more months of pre-orders that I, I need to be promoting during, and then I'm going to be running around like a madman. You know, once it's actually out there and I can like, hand people a physical thing, I think it's going to be a lot psychologically a lot easier. Because then, you know, if people hate it, they hate it, and I'll know if people love it, and they'll, they'll love it, and I'll know. But right now, it's the not knowing. It's just, like, it's the insecurity. Like, did I write something good, or did I not write something good? Or did, like... I don't know what this is yet, and I love it, but I don't really like great stuff, you know? Like, I like some pretty <laughs> bad B-movies. Um, <laughs> so, I don't trust me and my opinions, <laughs> necessarily. 
I don't know. I, I think it's all a matter of taste, too. Um, there was this movie that my family really liked. It was a really silly comedy from, I think, the early 60s. But even the people in the movie hated it. It was not a big hit, but we liked it. All four of us, and we would introduce it to our friends, and they would like it. So (laughs) it was like you wonder about yourself when, like, the lead actor in it hates it. Well, you know, I've I've um, I've run into that before when you know I mentioned a movie or something in front of one of the actors, and I'm thinking of a specific situation, and the the, the actor is like, "I I know it's a bad movie. I just straight up, I know it's a bad movie. I'm okay with it being a bad movie. I love it anyway, but I mentioned it in front of, of one of the actors in it, and." The, the actor is like, oh my god, that was such a horrible piece of crap. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. it. Like, really? And you're like, really? oh my god. My um, back in the day, there was a radio show that was a national radio show with um a South African interviewer named Michael Jackson. No relation to the singer. Um. <laughs> very elegant man who interviewed everybody from every walk of life. And he interviewed one of the actors from this movie, and it was a Colin show. And my dad was so excited. Um, we just got uh, – you, you just the cell phone is, was new, and he had a cell phone. And we were at the grocery store, <laughs> and we were sitting in the car, and he called in. And um, I can tell. I guess I could tell you the name of the movie is The Secret War of Harry Frigg, and it's with Paul Newman. And one of the actors in it was Tom Bosley, and he was on the interview show with Michael Jackson. So my dad called in, and he was very charming about it. He said he actually really liked it, but he said. Paul hated it, and he started naming all the different cast members who hated the movie. And my dad was like, oh, nice. okay. <laughs> Oops, right? Yeah. yeah um... But he says, he, but he was nice. He said, oh, but I'm glad you liked it because I actually really liked it too. And my dad felt a little bit better than one of the actors like. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's it's weird. It's it's when we're creating our heart, our passion, it goes into it. Yeah, it, it is something. But the, the ability to objectively look back afterwards and be like, "Wow, I was in the zone," and it still came out horribly. You know, it, it does happen. Yeah. Um, and that's for anybody creative. It doesn't matter music or or creating art or costumes or gardening or cooking or whatever you're putting your heart and soul in, you can still come up with something that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's some great cooking stories. Uh, um, I love Well, cooking. my brother is a great cook. 
but he made a chicken casserole the other day that was he even he was like, "Oh, this isn't good." So he just took it and threw it away and started again. <laughs> you know, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had some <laughs> accidentally using salt instead of sugar. That's a, a fun one. Um, yeah, I you know I love cooking, but I, I I don't follow recipes, so I always do everything by feel. And um, one of the fun things about traveling so much and cooking in different places, so altitude and climate totally impact it. So the food could be amazing in one place, but not horribly in another. And if we're not careful, we're going to get you to start just talking about food, and that could last for hours. So <laughs> I'll dodge that. Well, it's just like, you know, the one of the reasons why bagels taste better in New York is because of the water in New York. They have a different water than we do. Like, you can't make their bagels. That's why Western Bagels has all their bagels shipped from New York. Shipped in. Or the rest of the water is shipped from New York, and then they use that water and make them right there in, I think it's in Burbank. Um, um, because the water here is not right for making bagels that will taste the way you want them to taste. It's it it's all down to taste. It, it has nothing to do with and where you are and herbs and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not a cook, and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, but I'm sure your book's great. You're a good author. I've read your other books. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I just inadvertently fished for compliments. No, I, you know, it's, 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 we'll see how it came out. I, I think that it's good. I, I do. And I think that it's fun and that people are going to enjoy it. I think that Aton and I put a lot of hard work into it. It's more for me, you know, just a reflection of, of, of you know, the insecurities of the process and, and how difficult that can be and how just the, uh, <laughs> the harrowing experience doesn't stop once you're done writing and it keeps going. And, you know, right now I'm, um, the, the solace that I have to not think about it is um, working on a short story for um, Jeff Sturgeon's Last Cities of the Earth, um, which that, that Kickstarter funded, that anthology is coming together and, um, you know, if any of you, if anybody out there wants to see some absolutely amazing artwork, just Google Jeff Sturgeon's Last Cities of Earth and see some of those paintings. Um, they're incredible. Jeff actually uh, sent me a piece of art for a thank you. It's beautiful. I have it all framed. It's in my room. Oh, that's amazing. Is it one of the cities yeah. or is it a different piece of art? It's, um... Yep. He he, uh, he does he he was talking about his idea that he was working with you. I think isn't it Stephen Sears too? Yes. Um, on the book and um, we he interviewed. He goes, I'm going to send you a little something for a thank you. And I go, okay. And this came. It was so beautiful. I just <laughs> I never had that yeah, before. Yeah, that somebody yeah, sent me a, a original piece of artwork as a thank you. That's Cool. <laughs> and they're amazing the way that he, they, they, like on the brushed metal, the way they get that dimensionality to them. It's just, it's it's yeah, they're they're beautiful. These paintings are just amazing. 
It is gorgeous. Mm. It's just beautiful. And it's it's an original for me. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't, I mean, I have some beautiful pieces my mom made, but her stuff is mm-hmm. all needlework. So this is really different. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, um, uh, you know, uh, that, that's actually a fun piece of the writing process that I'm thinking about it is the you know, last cities, I'm getting to tie uh, a story that I'm writing to an actual, you know, the visual piece of art, and it's kind of the reverse of the process. Normally, <laughs> you write something, you write something, and then you get to see the cover later after it's written because the cover's inspired by it. So, you know, the inspiration coming in the opposite direction is also a really fun process. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of how <laughs> I do it with the um, the radio plays. Um, the artist that I work with is an old friend of mine, too. She knows how I think. And she creates my posters, basically, but I just send her the play, and she creates a poster from the play. It's, I don't cre- That's an interesting thing. I mean, that, that would be uh, not hard, but different. To create this something from a piece of art, I would. I I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's. Um, oh, that's a book. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and and it, it, I, I don't want to spoil it too much about the story that I'm writing for Last Cities is about, but it's not just you know science fiction airship battles, city floating in the sky. It's thematically actually something I got inspired to write something very different and off the wall. <laughs> and I'm having a blast doing it. Um, cool. I love that. I love that. But, That's you know, great. I, 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 I like finding really odd stories to tell inside of expected, inside of, you know, <laughs> expected spaces. Um, you know, there's uh, an anthology coming out this fall called the Weird War Three, all about um, the Cold War, and basically, you know, stories of like what would have happened if the Cold War had been started by aliens or by this or by that, and you know, it's weird, <laughs> weird World War Three scenarios. Um, and and the story that 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 I have appearing in there, uh, <laughs> I totally I went totally goofy, and I, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to create a story, you know, about a an alternate scenario for the three. I think I'm going to riff off of Matthew Broderick. And so I actually got to, uh, in that story, say, you know, December 1977, 1985 is the day that Matthew Broderick saved the world. And totally, it's a riff <laughs> on war games and, you know, like a, a montage tribute type thing. But it's goofy. It's fun. And I like finding just really weird places to take things. It's, it's, Any Ferris Bueller in there? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, you know, I, I, I focus on war games, not on, on Ferris Bueller, but that would have been a great, you know. <laughs> how would Ferris Bueller say for that? I just thought, um, I just could see him, and and that's how you, you get around when somebody tries to start a war with you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you just rolled wanted... back the war odometer. Um, yes. Um, I want to congratulate you. You won an award. 
You want to tell about that? Oh, not 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 win. Uh, nominated. They got nominated. Oh, nominated. Nominated uh, for an award. Yeah, yeah. Last year, it was kind of funny. We got two nominations. Um, so the Scribe Award for uh, Best Short Story for the Predator Short Story uh, that we had in If It Bleeds and uh, for a novel called Solar Singularity that is uh, takes place in a, in a game world but is uh, an original novel of kind of Blade Runner-esque cyberpunk, you know, two AIs going to war with each other in 2088. Um, and that was crazy to, to be a finalist to describe for two different things. I was just like, it wasn't expected. It was uh, a fun year. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, we may have talked about the stories before. The, the Predator story uh, yeah. was... Yeah, talk uh, about because we have a new audience, so... You don't know who's out there, oh, so right, they may right. want to read it. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's an anthology called Predator If It Bleeds, and the story that, that's in that one, uh, the idea was what if there was a predator hunt uh, in the middle of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans? And so, so the hurricane is actually the villain of the story, and it's, it's, it's uh, it was a lot of fun to write. You know, again, you know, take it to an unexpected place is, is one of the things I like to do. Um, and that that was nominated to the Scribe Award for uh, Short Story. And then the novel that I had that that, that also made that nomination slate uh, is called Solar Singularity. It takes place in the Interface Zero world, uh, which is, like I said, a cyberpunk-style world. And... The idea of that novel is that there's there's two AIs, one that's programmed for a specific set of tasks by humans and one that accidentally evolves itself. And the two of them are aware of each other. And um, during a, a class 10 solar flare uh, that disrupts, it's large enough that it disrupts satellite communications for uh, about five days, the two AIs go to war with each other since the global net is basically down with the satellite satellite links being down. Um, and humanity is in trouble because at that point there's so much, you know, augmented reality, everything's just hardwired in to multiple layers of reality. And so the idea that, that, that I played with in that was, you know, imagine that we, we constantly see an augmented reality overlay, almost, uh, you know, with, with popping up information in our field view about like, oh, hey, this is that thing, that's that thing, you know, constant heads-up display, constant information moving. What would happen if all of the spam filters went down? Well, So yeah, humans are going kind of crazy uh, because all of the just information overload and these two AIs are each trying to take the other one out and I'm, I'm you know, each of them has their own specific agenda, thing that they want to accomplish. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and, and so those three layers all work together basically during global riots. And uh, that was a lot of fun to write because I had to, you know, I had to think like a person, but I had to think not like a person at the same time. 
when I was trying to figure out how these AIs were, were going to interact, evolve, and carry out their functions uh, while being a, you know, a non-human intelligence. So it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to write. Cool. Um, and um, both of those came out in late 2017. Okay. Um, we're running out of time, so I wanted to give you some, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, we're running out of time, so I want to give you time to give your website and any social media sites that somebody can come, uh, you know, reach you and say hi. Oh, uh, it's just, yeah, I have not been talking to Will lately. Um, uh, my website, um, authorpage.com forward slash Peter J. Lex, the easiest one to, to find me on. Uh, social media, you can you know find me at Peter J. Lax on Facebook or at Peter J. Lax on Twitter. I try to be good about hopping on every couple of days and at least responding to people, but I sometimes forget to check social media for upwards of a week or two. I'm getting better at it. I used to be really good at it. And I promise that I'm getting better at it again. So always, you know, feel free to reach out to me. And if I'm slow to respond, I will actually get, you know, respond to everybody. So. Cool. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. I know that you're really busy you. with your final work on your book and and stuff like that. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I always love talking to you, Peter. Well, thank you for having me. It is always fun for me as well. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.